And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Attention, people of Earth. Do not resist us. All who oppose us shall be annihilated. We command the most powerful army of monsters in the universe. They are sure to defeat your Earth monsters. All those who are hearing this are now under the control of the Earth Destruction Directive. Hello everyone and welcome to Earth Destruction Directive. I am your host as always, Mr. Luke Jack, and I'd like to thank everyone for downloading and listening to the show today. Hope everyone enjoyed our previous episode, which was our coverage of the 25th anniversary of Godzilla 1998. A lot of fun talking about the Amerigoji. Now, I know originally I had said that on this episode we were going to cover the next two episodes of the original Ultraman. Unfortunately, the dreaded Deadline Doom has reared its ugly head and forced me to pivot into providing a fill-in of sorts for this episode. And keeping that comics analogy continuing, we are filling in with an issue of Charlton's Vintage Gorgo comic book, specifically issue number 19 from 1964, which should be a lot of fun. But before we get to that, we do have quite a bit of news, so let's jump right into it. In Ultra News, Ultraman Blazar will debut this July in Japan, and like the last few series, will also be streamed on the Subaraya YouTube channel worldwide. Of extra note, however, is that much like the Ultra Galaxy Fight web shows, This series will be available in both subtitled and English-dubbed formats from the start. Now, I've enjoyed watching Zet, Trigger, and Decker subtitled, but my kids and I have both dug the English dub on Ultra Galaxy Fight as well, so I'm not sure which direction we will go with this one. Also of note is that Johnny Young Bosch, noted voice actor and former Power Ranger, will be voicing the main character in the dub. Stay tuned for more information on this one. In social media news, Toho's upcoming live-action Godzilla film, still rumored to be titled Godzilla Zero, has a Twitter account. The account's handle is at Godzilla231103 for 2023, November 3rd. And it has a gold check mark. That means it is an official account. Now, so far, it is counting down Godzilla films beginning with Shin Godzilla and moving backwards, suggesting that it will end at number zero. Not much to go by at this point, but I'm sure we will be hearing more on this front as we get closer to November. In animated news, the new Netflix show Skull Island debuts this month. This animated series has the official description of Shipwrecked in the South Pacific, explorers excuse me, encounter a menagerie of fearsome creatures, including a giant ape known as Kong. Now, it's unclear at this point when the series takes place, although speculation is that it will uh, be set during the intermezzo period between the films Skull Island and Godzilla 2014. Uh, we'll find out soon enough. Now, I'm hoping to get a chance to watch the show in the very near future, as I'm always glad to see the MonsterVerse expand, especially as we begin the build-up to Godzilla X-Kong, the new empire. In comics news, several new IDW Godzilla comics have been announced. 
This August, we are getting the first issue of a new series entitled Godzilla War for Humanity, which appears to be leaning in a very cartoonish direction art-wise. The solicitation indicates the story will follow a professor and writer who was saved by Godzilla as a child, and who now studies Kaiju's uh, place in the world, which is put to the test when a new enemy appears. The art alone makes this pretty intriguing for sure. Now in addition, we will also be getting the next Godzilla Rivals one-shot, which is Versus Space Godzilla. Now, this is notable for being written and drawn by Matt Frank. Plus, who doesn't like Space Godzilla? Also in August, we are getting the trade pa- couple of trade paperback collections. First is the collection of Monsters and Protectors, All Hail the King, which is the middle grade series that uh, just recently is wrapping up from uh, IDW. And then the Best of Mechagodzilla collection, which doesn't have any issues uh, collected uh, or announced yet. Uh, but is coming on the heels of that best of, uh, I think the best of Rodan, was that the previous one? So keep your eyes open for those. In obscure movie news, SRS Cinema has announced two new acquisitions of interest to kaiju fans. The first is The Whale God, released by Dai in 1962 and never officially released here in the West. The film involves a giant whale which passes by a fishing village once a year, and a young man who is obsessed with taking his revenge against the whale after his grandfather, father, and older brother all died in its pursuit in a Moby Dick riff. The other film is The Great Yokai War Guardians, which is the sequel to Takashi Miike's 2005 Yokai Revival film. Uh, both are great pickups for SRS, continue their trend of finding odd or otherwise unavailable Asian monster movies for our consumption. No release dates on these yet. We are getting Blu-ray and DVD according to the press releases. More information on these as I hear them. In video game news, 13AM Games and WayForward Studios have formally announced the new DLC for their game Dawn of the Monsters, which we covered back in episode 115. Now, the DLC has two main selling points right now. First is an arcade mode, which looks to make the game more of a traditional coin-op beat-em-up type of game. It already has that mechanic, but uh, I think this is going to kind of strip it down and have more power-up style attacks. The second main bit, however, is the addition of a new playable character. The character's name is Meteor Temujin, and he is a Getai Robo akin to the mecha from a Super Sentai. Now, chosen by fan vote, Meteor Temujin has three weapons with a sword, axe, and hammer, and and can be used in any game mode. The DLC also includes uh, 50 new character skins, new gallery art and archive files, plus new challenges and achievements. Dawn of the Monsters is a fantastic Daikaiju game, and these additions sound like they will be worthwhile picking up. Uh, no release date was announced, but definitely looking forward to seeing it. And finally, in sad news, Yukiko Takiyama, best known as the screenwriter for Terror of Mechagodzilla, has passed away at the age of 83. Takiyama won Ishiro Honda's screenplay contest for Terror of Mechagodzilla and was selected to write the film, the first and so far only woman to receive a sole writing credit for a Godzilla film. You can hear more about Takiyama and Terror of Mechagodzilla back in episode 108, where I covered the film with my brother, the biggest Titanosaurus fan I know. All right, that's all I have for news. If you have anything that you think will be of interest here on Earth Destruction Directive, go ahead and send it in, earthdestructiondirective at yahoo.com, and I'll be sure to give you credit here on the show. All right, I'm going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back with Gorgo number 19 right here on Earth Destruction Directive. What do you get when a fantasy gaming horror sci-fi geek 
and an Army veteran history nerd want to do a comic book related podcast. Why? You get the Weird Wars podcast, of course. Weird War Tales was a 124 issue DC comic book series published from 1971 to 1983. Along the way, we'll sidetrack on to an occasional special mission where we discuss an issue of a like themed comic book from a different title or publisher. There are also the rare Road Warriors episodes where we report on comic related road trips like conventions or visiting the homes and grave sites of comic greats. We'll nitpick what the comics creative team got wrong and crawl about what they got right. We'll also break down the facts behind the fiction in the stories, which is sometimes quite weird in its own right. Even the letters page and our favorite ads can't escape our judgment just as we can't escape yours in our own dead letter office mailbag. Torpedo-eating dinosaurs. Haunted chateaus. Time-traveling rats. Zombie robots. Day-walking vampires. Gargoyle armies. And that's just in the first 20 Weird War Tales episodes. So, report for duty with the Weird Warriors podcast with Max and Rich, where we promise to make war no more. All right, we are back here on Earth Destruction Directive. Gorgo number 19 was published by Charlton Comics with a cover date of July 1964, meaning that this was likely on newsstands around April of 1964. The cover, which is not signed, uh, has online guesses of artists uh, ranging from Dick Giordano to Bill Molno, uh, features Gorgo and a giant human wearing a dark khaki shirt and pants, sporting a monocle and a goatee, wielding a telephone pole, tangling in front of a building, while the terrified populace flee, including what appears to be a school bus. The copy reads, What's this? A human as big as Gorgo. See the earth-shattering battle as Gorgo meets the World Shaker. If I'm being honest, this cover sounds more interesting than it actually is. The background is mostly a plain pale yellow. Both Gorgo and the titular World Shaker are posed very stiffly. In the foreground, people in the bus, uh, they look almost like recycled paste-ups. Now still, seeing Gorgo fight a giant is at least something that does catch the eye, I must say. My copy does not have a cover, instead showing the value of a splash page, which works as a second cover, depicting, in media res, Gorgo confronting the giant in a city, and the giant bopping Gorgo on the head with a telephone pole. Now, hat tip to Professor Alan Milton of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network for sending me this coverless issue. First issue of Charlton's Gorgo I've ever owned. It's all part of the great comic book circle of life. Our writer is uncredited, but is almost certainly Joe Gill, a hugely prolific writer for Charlton who penned scripts for just about any and every title imaginable in every genre that Charlton published. Gill is best remembered nowadays as the co-creator of many of Charlton's action heroes, who are now owned by DC Comics, including Captain Adam, Judo Master, and most notably, movie and TV star The Peacemaker. Beyond his action hero work, Gill was the primary staff writer for Charlton, dating to the early 1950s. Some sources indicate that he could write a full-length comic story in a single day, and was producing 100 to 125 pages a week across several genres at a time. Gill, to me, is he's one of the great unsung heroes of the comics industry, never achieving much in the level of fame, but creating literally countless stories which are still readable and enjoyable today. Uh, pencils in the story are by Bill Montez, another Charlton regular who primarily did war and adventure strips, including many issues of personal favorite Fightin' Five. Shout out to my friend uh, 
Kirk Spencer at Big Five Army, another Fightin' Five fan. Montez also dabbled in horror and uh, other types of strips during his time at Charlton, but primarily uh, saw him in, in War and Adventure. Uh, inks are provided by Ernie Bach, once again another Charlton regular. Are we noticing a pattern here? folks. Uh, <laughs> Bach inked genre books, including horror and war titles. Also had credits in the 50s for what would become Marvel, which was uh, Atlas at the time, primarily in the title Battlefront, but also in the pages of Combat Kelly. Our story is called The World Shaker and goes a little something like this. Dr. Zun Li is a bitter, angry man, tired of being pushed around by those he considers idiots. To this end, he studies longer and harder than all his peers, not just in the sciences, but also in black magic and the occult. After many years of work, he is able to combine his scientific and supernatural knowledge to gain revenge on the world, even using hypnosis to keep his assistants in line. One of Zunli's experiments creates a honeybee, which is 20,000 times its normal size, which he releases to terrorize North Africa. He then attempts to use the enlarging formula on a baboon, but the experiment is unsuccessful. The giant honeybee happens upon the sleeping form of Gorgo's mother, stinging her in the snout and sending her running to the Atlantic. Young Gorgo is awakened by the commotion and wanders off to find food. Zunli and his assistants are on the hunt for a large animal on which to experiment, and, naturally, find Gorgo. Zunli is too fearful to fire his weapon, containing a culture of his formula on Gorgo, but accidentally shoots him anyway when he drops the gun, as he was carrying it with the safety disengaged. Gorgo passes out, nearly crushing Zunli in the process. Zunli orders his assistants to administer the formula to, the, to Gorgo, with the idea being that they'll then uh, um, harvest the culture from Gorgo. It's kind of odd what, how he thinks this is going to work. But the assistants, Anderson and Binra, rebel, instead only giving the monster distilled water. Zunli, thirsty, demands Binra pour him a drink. Which Benra does, forgetting that he and Anderson switched the containers of the formula and the water. Suddenly drinks the formula and promptly grows giant, drawing the attention of the Egyptian military, whose attacks he easily repels. Anderson and Benra revive Gorgo by creating a solution of water and powdered caffeine, and the monster tangles with Zunli. Gorgo is game, but Zunli is more cunning, knocking Gorgo on the head with a giant rock. Gorgo's plaintive cries draw the attention of his mother whose massive size terrifies the cowardly Zunli. Gorgo bites Zunli on the leg, causing him to lose balance and fall over, knocking himself out in the process. Weeks later, Zunli is in a hospital, reverted to normal size, and about to be questioned by the police. Gorgo and his mother, meanwhile, have decided to avoid humanity, snoozing peacefully in the North Pole. Oh boy, <laughs> well, this certainly was a monster comic book. Let's get into the notes. Now, the film Gorgo was released in 1961, produced by King Brothers and distributed by MGM here in the U.S. The film was a UK-Ireland-USA co-production, and for a non-Godzilla or Gamera kaiju film, it's fairly well known. It was a staple of cable and VHS during the 80s and 90s. When I was growing up, it was very common to see Gorgo on TV, and I still have it on VHS tape, I believe. And eventually, it was featured in Season 9 of Mystery Science Theater 3000. The same year as its release, Charlton tapped Steve Ditko to create a comics adaptation. This adaptation proved popular enough, and evidently the license with MGM was cheap enough, that Charlton produced new adventures for the monster and his mother through 1965, 
along with another MGM International co-production kaiju movie, Kanga. Ditko did several issues of the series, but by this point, he was working mostly on his action hero stuff and was not involved in Gorgo. Now, it is my intention to cover the movie Gorgo on here, on the podcast properly, at some point in the future. In the past, I had planned on covering the film along with the adaptation a few times. I had also planned on having a very specific guest on the show to discuss them, but was unable to come to a good timetable with them. So, for now, it remains in my spreadsheet of items to cover, while for today, we will take a look at this issue as a one-shot, if you will. Now, these Gorgo stories do vary in their degree of seriousness, but even with that caveat, this is certainly the silliest one which I have read, as well as one of the strangest. Dr. Zumley makes for a broad, comedy-opera villain, constantly crowing about his superiority and belittling everyone around him as beneath him. His villainy seems to be simply for villainy's sake, such as when he releases a honeybee simply to cause panic without an actual plan. Gorgo and his mother do not fare much better, with Gorgo literally laughing at his mother's flailing about after she is stung by the bee. Gil is clearly not taking this story very seriously, signaling that we, as the reader, should do the same. At one point, we see Zunli studying with a sorcerer who encants, and I quote, I command the powers of darkness to come and serve us in this blah, blah, blah. Coincidences pile up because they sort of have to, with the carton of powdered caffeine just happening to be on the trunk in the jungle for the assistance to revive Gorgo. Montez is also having fun with this story, including some absolutely wild takes for Gorgo and Zunli. On page 8, while Gorgo is laughing, he is doubled over, holding his stomach with his left hand with a huge grin on his face. A few pages later, when the pellet goes down his mouth, the four-panel sequence of Gorgo tipping over, Zunli literally quaking in paralyzed terror, and again, Gorgo crashing to the ground looks like something out of a Warner Brothers cartoon. This is even more notable since most of Montez and Bach's art on this strip leans to a more realistic and sturdy style, highlighting the inanity of this sequence. Montez and Bach do not get much to show in the way of action, just by the nature of the story, but they do a wonderful job in the faces of our human characters. Zunli's range of gloating egotism to mincing fraidy cat gibbering is charming, and Anderson and Binra are both very expressive. Bach himself gets a chance to do some strong inking during the sequences in the jungle, with various characters depicted in heavy shadow of the jungle canopy, detailed with a nice mix of brush and technical pen. All this said, man, this is a goofy comic, and certainly not what I was expecting from that splash page. Silver Age comics are often a lot sillier than modern readers might expect, and this is especially true for a publisher like Charlton, who had some good content but was really more of a quantity over quality outfit. Famously, Charlton only really published comics as a way to keep their in-house printing presses running and thus earning money, so they were less concerned about what was on the pages than how many pages they produced. This did allow creators a measure of freedom in their work, and I think we see that here with Gil, Montez, and Bach taking an absurd premise and treating it as an absurdity. It may not be a serious study or a realistic depiction of a monster in the real world, but it's still quite a bit of offbeat fun. One of the most intriguing and welcoming aspects of Charlton as a publisher is that due to their extremely lax approach to filing copyright extensions, a vast amount of their work is in the public domain. Now what this means is that the entire series of Gorgo, along with many other titles published by Charlton, can be legally read and downloaded for free, 
and can be reprinted, re-edited, or otherwise remixed legally. To this end, if you would like to read Gorgo 19 or any other issue of the series, you have several options available. My personal go-to for public domain comics is comicbookplus.com, which has an in-browser reader as well as CBR and CBZ download options, although downloads do require you to create an account. Uh, now, I have no connection with Comic Book Plus. I say this as a user of Comic Book Plus. I, I am a registered user. I have no background with it. I have no uh, other disclosures I need to make other than they get my endorsement as a really good site, and I do link to them quite a bit on my Twitter. There have been a couple of Gorgo physical reprint projects over the last decade or so, but neither of the ones I own contained this issue. I did find on Amazon a volume entitled Classics Comics Library 28, which appears to be a print-on-demand volume collecting Gorgo 17-23, through 23, along with several other Charltons from that era. But if you want to read this, your best bet is to hit Comic Book Plus or another site and read it for free. So as an aside, if you're ever looking for comic book reading material, the public domain is a fan fantastic asset which rarely gets discussed. No matter what genre of comic you are looking for, you can find them in the public domain, including superheroes, adventure, war, western, romance, horror, science fiction, and yes, even monsters. So now I throw it to you, the listeners. Have you read any of Charlton's Gorgo? Have you read this particular one? Uh, do you think that they're they're worth digging, or do you think they're just kind of silly products of a bygone era? I'd love to get some thoughts on this. This is such an oddball title and such an oddball issue. Uh, please write me, Directive at yahoo.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, and we can talk about it here on the show. All right, that's all I've got on Gorgo number 19. We are going to take a quick break and come back uh, with listener feedback and closing out the show right here on Earth Destruction Directive. You like cheap comic books, right? Well, I'm Professor Allen, and I talk about cheap comic books on the Quarterbin Podcast. In every episode, I'll dissect a single comic from my collection, as long as I paid no more than 25 cents for the issue. Forget about $4 new comics that you can read in four minutes, or crossover events that can cost a hundred bucks to collect. Join me in the quarter bin, where even bad comics are a bargain, and good ones are a steal. The Quarter Bin Podcast is part of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Visit us at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search Relatively Geeky or Quarterbin Podcast and iTunes. I guarantee it'll be worth every penny. All right, we are back here on Earth Destruction Directive. Now it's time for a little bit of listener feedback. If you would like to get in touch with the show, you can email us at earthdestructiondirective at yahoo.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Discord. Just listen to the outro to the show and we'll have all the information for you. We got a couple of emails, so let's jump right into them. Our first email is from our good friend Billy D, aka Doc Strange. Writes in with the subject Earth Destruction Active 115. And Billy D writes, What's up, Luke? Enjoyed this episode. It's been a long time for me since I've played any video games. Clearly, we're talking about Dawn of the Monsters here. I was a massive game player when I was a kid and got back into them a bit when my son was younger, 12 to 15 years ago. This game sounds like a lot of fun. And I'm going to hit up YouTube to see if there's any vids of it. Thanks for being my co-pilot at work, Billy D, aka Doc Strange. Thank you for writing in, Billy. Yeah, it is a uh, Dawn of the Monsters. It's it's pretty pretty easy to pick up and play. There's there's not a lot 
of a learning curve to it. Uh, so if, if you, you know, find yourself with the ability maybe to play it on Steam, if you don't have a console or something like that, I think it's, it's, it's worth playing. And to me, it's, it's just a lot of fun just to, you know, the, the different ways you can play as different monsters or different, uh, giant heroes, you know, or it, it, it and the, the, the DLC that's coming looks like it's going to add quite a bit with the, uh, the, the Gatai Robo type of, uh, of character to play as. So it should be a lot of fun. Thank you very much for writing in Billy. Uh, go check out Billy's shows. Uh, Magazine of Monsters uh, is is the one I want to point you to because we've been I've been on there a few times and uh, you know we have done most recently the Green Slime which is a fantastic movie which we've covered right here in this podcast my brother and I but also a great episode a great podcast with Billy so please go check that out now speaking of my brother the second email comes from my brother Mr Jason Jackanetted and the subject is Tokyo SOS Greater Than Final Wars. <laughs> Hey, Luke, I know that as of your latest podcast, Dawn of the Monsters, the date for Tokyo SOS was not locked in, but by now it has either happened or not. We all know, of course, that Fathom event screening of Tokyo SOS did in fact happen, and I did in fact not get to go to it, but that's okay. Uh, Jay continues, either way, if next year the ideas for Final Wars to be the special event, could this just fall flat? Now, as someone who is not really a fan of Final Wars... Maybe I am biased, but overall, as far as I as all I have always heard, Final Wars was not particularly well received. Could I be wrong? Sure. Could this be the biggest event they ever run? Maybe. There are so many better films in the Godzilla film world that would be really great to see on the big screen. But maybe I'm just an old man tilting at windmills. But I think everyone can agree that War of the Gargantuas on the big screen would be killer. Signed, Jason. Yes, 100%. Absolutely. Kill War of the Gargantuas. Make it happen. Make it happen, Fathom. It's not, it's it's showing up with uh, on uh, HBO Max because of the deal with Criterion, right? Why the hell not? Um, you know, I, I don't disagree with you. I, I've always... I've never been a huge fan of Final Wars either. Um, you know, when Adam Tebow and I covered Final Wars back, it was uh, a couple of years ago now. I think that was during COVID. Um, we, we were definitely on different sides of it. There are parts of Final Wars I like, but large portions of that movie are, to me, they don't work as well for me. And that's fine, you know? And, and I, and I know you're kind of in a similar boat. I mean, honestly, uh, Godzilla, Ex-Mech Godzilla is the best of the three of them as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I like Tokyo SOS, but to me, it, it's, it's not as strong as Godzilla, Ex-Mech Godzilla is from a story standpoint, I think, uh, putting Mothra in there and, you know, and the characters come back from Mothra and the twin fairies, it's... It, it does, to me, it, it makes the story a little less tight than the, to me, very very kind of manga-esque uh, story from Godzilla x Mech Godzilla. That said, I am sure, I'm pretty sure that Final Wars is going to be the, the one next year. It lines up with the anniversaries. They did the other two. I just I just suspect that's that's what we're going to get. And, and you know, that and that's fine. I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I probably won't be able to get to see it anyway. And, you know, the, the fans of Final Wars will get to see it in the big screen. Maybe the film will play better on a big screen than it will on a small screen. Maybe the, the kind of crazy, um, you know, action sequences and the, the over the top aspects will, will play better on the big screen. I don't know. It's hard to say. It's, it's, it's speculation. It's food for thought. I guess we'll find out soon enough, one way or the other, whether they're going to do it or not. Jay, thank you very much for writing in. Always glad to hear from you. Please go check out, of course, my brother's podcast, which is Bots, Bugs, and Babes where uh, him and usually my dad talk about B-movies. Anywhere you find Earth Destruction Directive, you can find Bots, Bugs, and Babes. And, of course, Jay is also my co-host over on Get Back to the Wrestling, as well as uh, one of my co-hosts on The Vault of Starting Monster Tales of Terror. 
I should, of course, note that uh, the hair metal hero, Chris Tyler, appears on both of those shows with us. And then uh, Two True Freaks OG, Chris Honeywell, is on the vault with us. So anywhere you find Earth Destruction Directive, you can find those shows. So if they sound interesting, please check them out. Thank you very much for writing in, Jay and Billy. Really appreciate it, guys. Uh, social media love for the last episode, which was Godzilla 98. So the likes, shares, thumbs up, retweets, all that, uh, all that jazz. Came from Robert Ludwig, the most sane man among us. Tim Elliott, Chris Mounts, Mr. Lomax, the aforementioned Billy D, a.k.a. Doc Strange. Gene Hendricks, Gene Gene, the podcasting machine. Brian Severe, the aforementioned Jason Giaconetti, my brother. Ian and Cynthia Welsh, the aforementioned Adam Tebow. Derek, Derek WC, that uh, fan hole. The aforementioned Kirk Spencer, a.k.a. Big Five Army. Two true freaks. Toke USA Studios, Kimberly Hudson, Dr. Grid, Crystal Lady Jessica, Nathan Marchand, and Jimmy from NASA. Together they are the Monster Island Film Vault, the Henshin Men Podcast, the Two Man Power Trip Podcast. Yes, yes, we know. It's just the Power Power Trip Podcast. Bro Rad and Chuck Rodriguez, thank you everyone for the social media love that helps get the word uh, of the show out there. And as any podcaster will let you know. Uh, that is the lifeblood of a podcast. It's just getting word of mouth and getting it out there. So thank you very much for that. Um, I'd like to take a moment, of course, to let everyone know that Earth Destruction Directive is for everyone. If you are interested in being part of the Daikaiju scene, as far as this show is concerned, if you're interested in uh, uh, learning more, if you're a newbie, if you're a veteran, whatever, everyone is welcome to interact with this show in any way that you feel comfortable. If you want to write an email, if you want to reach out to me on Discord or on uh, social media, by all means, please do so. You know, I, I talk about this every every time. We're not an elitist show. We're not here to uh, to keep the gates. We're here to sing the praises of uh, of giant monsters, even ones in Charlton comic books. So uh, you are uh, all are in fact welcome. So next time, what are we gonna be covering? Now this might sound really familiar, but next time I promise we are really gonna do our best to cover Ultraman episode thirty four and thirty five from the original Ultraman series, featuring the monsters Skydon. And Seabaz, we are on the the home stretch. There's only, I think, six episodes left of the original Ultraman, and I am eager and uh, excited to finish up the series. Finish up my, uh, I think this is my third watch through of the series, uh, and obviously been doing a lot more research in this watch through because I've been doing it all for the show. Very uh, excited to see and uh, see those episodes again. Of course, we'll have any new news on Godzilla Zero, the new DLC for Dawn of the Monsters. Uh, new Godzilla comics, um, Skull Island uh, uh, animated series. If we get anything from that, Gamera Rebirth, which I amazingly didn't hear any new news for this month. Um, you know, any new Fathom events, anything that's coming down. There's so much giant monster content out there right now. You really got to stay on your toes with uh, with some of this. Luckily, uh, I'm part of a, a great network of like-minded podcasters and fans, and we do try to keep everybody uh, kind of in the loop when, when news breaks, mostly because we're trying to scoop each other, but that's the way that kind of group goes, right? You know what I'm saying? But anyway, uh, and obviously, if, if any of y'all hear anything interesting, go ahead, pass it along to me on social media. I will definitely give you credit for it. All right, folks. I hope everyone enjoyed this little fill-in episode taking a look at uh, at a Charlton Gorgo comic, and I hope everybody comes back next time for Ultraman episode 34 and 35. Until then, keep them stomping. This has been Earth Destruction Directive, a Daikaiju podcast, produced and created by me, Luke Giaconetti, as part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, available at 
to truefreaks.com. This is a fan work celebrating the history and culture of Japanese giant monsters. All movies, TV shows, comic books, characters, and other intellectual property is copyright their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended or implied. If you would like to send an email to the show, you can email me at earthdestructiondirective at yahoo.com. I try to respond to all emails, and if you send in some comments, I will read them on the show. All episodes of Earth Destruction Directive can be found at 2truefreaks.com. You can also find the show on your favorite podcatcher. Just search for Earth Destruction Directive. You can even leave a review on your podcatcher of choice if you'd like. You can find me on Facebook. Just search for first name Luke, last name EDD. You can also get in touch with me on Twitter. Just search for the handle at LJacone. That's L-J-A-C-O-N-E. The theme song for this podcast is Future Gladiator by Kevin McLeod, downloaded from Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Thanks for listening, and be sure to come back next time for more city-stomping fun here on Earth Destruction Directive. Tune in next time to hear the crusty old podcaster from Oklahoma say, There's a WTF (laughs) moment if I ever saw one.